Oh yeah, fun times. This is Michael Coe from the Punk Rock and Politics Podcast, and you're listening to some of the best podcasts available on the internet, only on the No Phony Podcast Network. to Heroes Garage. We are a weekly podcast. We review TV shows and movies and things that show up on streaming services. And our topics have to do with superheroes, science fiction, fantasy, horror, and every now and then crime noir. My co-hosts are, this is Tom, my co-hosts are Tom, are Eric and Bill. And today is Eric's turn. <laughs> Hello, everyone. We got quite the lineup, but uh, thank you all for tuning in today. Uh, Tom, how are you? What's going on in the world uh, today? You know, I am doing very well because yesterday was my Shazam day. Ooh. I, um, my wife was gracious enough to say, Tom, let's go out and see Shazam together with some friends. <laughs> so that was awesome. We had breakfast first, went and saw the movie, and... The actually the guy that go our good friend and his wife he actually helps edit my um, comic book reviews. He's got a master's mm. degree in English and he's a little better at the finer points of the English language than I am. So we were able to kind of geek out and talk about it and stuff. So it was a lot of fun. It's awesome. Yeah, and you know yeah. it's starting to get warmer out. The summer's out, so the yeah. superheroes movies are coming. I mean. Yeah, we got a lot of uh, a lot of news to cover. I know. So, did you? What have you? Were you? Did you have a busy day yesterday? How are you doing? <laughs> what did I do yesterday? Um, you know, I didn't really do anything yesterday. I kind of just hung out. Uh, I had a really long week of work, so I was really tired. I was like, oh, maybe I'll go do stuff, and then it just turned out that nothing happened. Yeah. <laughs> um, but also because like I'm working today, and like so, like a little bit after this, I'll be heading to work. And then it's Easter weekend, so I'll be very busy tomorrow. Um, are you doing anything for Easter, Tom? Yeah, we're are, we're in negotiations right now. Um, <laughs> didn't we're talking about going actually going out to dinner later on in the day, um, but we go to services in the morning, and then we'll come back and kind of chill out a little bit. But we're thinking about having like a later, an early dinner, later lunch kind of thing later in the day. Nice. Well, happy Easter, Tom. And uh, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So this is our lineup. We've got a busy lineup, as Eric hinted at earlier. We're going to talk a little endgame rumors. We're going to have reactions to the Star Wars trailer, or probably the title. <laughs> what am I talking about? Um, we're going to talk about Game of Thrones episode one of the final season. Eric will give us his take on that. And then we'll do a short movie review of the movie Shazam. <laughs> so, Endgame Rumors. A five-minute video was leaked 
this past week and everybody lost their minds. And that is not an over-exaggeration this time around. Um, people started talking about it, hinting, going back and forth. And finally, the directors came out on Twitter and said, hey, guys, don't spoil the movie for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so are you do you get into that, Eric? Do you jump on Twitter and Instagram and follow all these kind of spoilery things? Or do you try and keep your the palette clean before a movie? You know, it's kind of just how I feel that day. Like there are times where I just can't wait and any bit of any morsel of information I'll be, be I'll be eating up and looking for. Um, but other times, and it, I guess it depends on my emotional investment in the story or the characters. I'll, I will abstain. I will like, I can't take any spoilers. And this actually, this go this started actually with uh, the dark Knight. Um, yeah. or yeah, yeah, it was the dark Knight. Yeah. Cause people, there's a lot of buzz heading up to it. And it was kind of the same kind of thing where there was like leaks and then there was rumors. And then I heard, I, I listened to this talk show. This guy said the exa- exact thing where he doesn't want to spoil it for himself. He's yeah. just like, why sit through all these things when I, I'd rather just enjoy the movie fresh and kind of get my own input and take into it and be surprised or sad. Um, and that's kind of the approach I've been taking the last couple weeks with Avengers where it's, you know, it's been a year now where I've just been eating up all these rumors and all these videos, these theories, and it's like, all right, well, the movie's a week away. Like, just stay away from the spoilers, because what's the, like, you've waited this long. Why are you going to ruin it for yourself now? Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, what, how about you, Tom? Did you, did you, were you able to stay away from the from all the, the leaks and what, what happened and whatnot? I did the exact opposite. So... <laughs> I was so perturbed and angsty after Infinity War mm. that I stayed away from all of it. Like, it doesn't matter anyway. You know, they had all these videos and they show all these images. And then you get in the movie in all of it. Like, just to remind people, before Infinity War, the Hulk was supposed to be traveling around the galaxy with the Guardians of the Galaxy. Obviously, mm. Thor was the one that ended up doing part of that. <laughs> Iron Man was in there, and Spider-Man was with the Hulk, never did any of that. And just, of course, I zero in on that character. Hmm. And I just feel like it's just a lot of misdirection. It feels a lot like the leading up to the NFL draft, when you have <laughs> coaches and scouts and oh yeah we're looking for a safety you know and then they trade out of the first round and get four picks in the second and third round i mean the mcu releases are starting to feel like that and so i partook i partook in the video the five the the mentioned earlier five minute video mm-hmm. i didn't i didn't see anything in there that hadn't been talked about or surmised or guessed at years ago like two years ago some of it and it doesn't mean it's true or not true it was very poor quality still images quite honestly the narrated versions of it were a lot more interesting than just watching it if -hmm. you just watch the still images you may very easily walk away with absolutely no idea what you looked at (laughs) Uh. oh and you know, it's a bit of an exaggeration because you do see some images of characters that you heard were going to be doing certain things. And if they actually show up that way in the movie, that'll be kind of interesting. But I've kind of done it both ways at times. And I can honestly say that if the movie ends up being a great movie, it's never a spoiler 
for me because I'll still love it when I see it in the theater. Um, but that's just me. Yeah, I mean, I I said that stuff about not wanting to spoil movies, but like I I do read theories and watch the videos because they're time like you know it's been a, it's been a years since Infinity War came out and it's been what almost ten years since it all started. So trying to learn all these rumors is fun. It is it does become like a puzzle or like a mystery you got to solve yourself. And so like when I I remember I saw like these still images about uh, maybe a couple months ago about how apparently they have the time traveling buttons on their on their uh on their sleeves or whatever on their wrists and yeah. like things like that it just opens up more um more controversy more like options of what people can start thinking about it it creates buzz and so i do find it a little weird that this this was dropped this this uh, f- uh video was leaked like a yeah. week before the movie comes out, even though I guess it doesn't, re- Avengers doesn't really need any more buzz or press. Like people know it's coming out. Yeah. So I know. Yeah, I know it, it. Yeah. Some of it feels a little concocted too, in some ways, like in a real clever way, like the images were so poor quality mm-hmm. that it almost like keeps the buzz going <laughs> with like everybody some, talking about it. Someone just snap pictures on their, little Nokia phone, like yeah. right, right, right in the hole in their coats or something like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it, like, it, yeah. I was gonna say, well, that happens with Game of Thrones all the time, actually, where like scripts would leak out or like whole episodes. Like, I think this happened last year, a couple years ago, where like whole episodes were leaked. Like someone would hack their, you know, their computers or whatever. And so if you wanted to, you could have gone and saw the episodes early. Oh, and wow. there's a real there was like a real pull for me to want to do that. Cause I'm like, Oh, I really want to, you know, I want to see the story and see what happens. Mm-hmm. But then you miss out on the, the week to week kind of buzz of it where you, you know, the, the, that good old routine where you watch an episode and you talk, yeah. think about it and talk about it for the week and you, you get ready for the next episode. Almost like, you know, the way you watch football, where mm-hmm. <laughs> our second mm-hmm. sports analogy, um, right. where you sit down, you watch the game and then, when you're done, you you spend the rest of the week analyzing and then preparing for the next game, um, the next Game of Thrones. But <laughs> ooh, I guess yeah. Ooh. Next, um, next of I, I, sorry, back to Avengers though. Um, yeah, I mean it comes out next weekend. Mm-hmm. Like I've waited this long. I'm not gonna. It, you, it's gonna be hard for you to spoil it. The only people who can spoil it are the creators of the Avengers films um, yeah. by making a terrible movie. But they've made good movies this whole time, so I, I'm not expecting it to be. It, it'll at least be fun, and at least be. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know, worth it. I'm hoping satisfying, uh, but it's really hard when you have anything this, you know, y- this this that spans this many years, or in cases this many characters. And this, it's really hard to finish a story like this. Any yeah, story, like this. yeah, and. I, I've come I've come to grips with that. I think Lost really taught me a lot. Um, there's some there's some other things like there's a video game called Mass Effect that I was very heavily invested in, and then the ending was not so great. Like I I didn't mind it as much as other people. Like people mm-hmm. hated the ending of this video game. Like it's pretty infamous. Um, That's funny. Yeah. So basically, I'm 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 weathered to the idea that the endings are not always as good as, as the journeys, as they like to say in movies. You know, that's a good point. I'm trying to think. That's like a really... I know it's true of almost every comic book event that's ever been done. 
um, like getting back to the source material. And mm-hmm. every now and then you're so shocked when, when the ending turns out better or as good as you hoped it would go. <laughs> and like for me, I go back to this show a lot, but Breaking Bad ended like phenomenally. Mm-hmm. And it was hot. It was hard to imagine an ending stronger than that. Um, but a lot of these shows, like I'm thinking back to comic book stuff, like they have this run, and the the movies tend to get worse the more the longer they make them. <laughs> and then when they go to end them, they're like, "Oh, thank goodness that's over." Um, <laughs> I know the the first trilogy was kind of like that of the Batman trilogy with uh, Christopher Nolan and. It, Christian Bale, Christian yeah, Bale and yeah, thank you. Chris, it's Christopher Nolan was the uh, producer director. and director. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it started off really strong, got a lot of critical acclaim, and then by the time Dark Knight came out, it was at a fever pitch. Everybody loved it, but a lot of people really derided the last one. Mm-hmm. The last one, I can't even remember the title of that film accurately. It had Risen or Rise in it somewhere. Yeah, the Dark Knight uh, Rises. Yeah. There, there you go. Bless you. I mean, quick Dark Knight review, um, or Dark Knight Rises review. I, I totally understood what people were saying. The story, yeah. it, was, it was a long movie. That movie was like two and a half hours long, and yeah. it kind of just, it kind of just went on and went on and went on. And but like, it's one of those things where people analyze those movies too hard. And I think when you have a movie like The Dark Knight, or you have these Avengers movies that do are so successful. Mm-hmm. That being able and and you know so much so much of of you know our culture revolves around these stories and how many people have gotten invested in them that it's hard to top it again and then so people get let down and it's even if it's like a decent movie like I thought the Dark Knight Rises was a pretty good movie even though it wasn't as good as the Dark Knight yeah. that people still got mad at it because it didn't it didn't like I guess touch them emotionally the same way the other movies did and so. That's what I'm kind of afraid of with this movie, and the, um, where it's going to have that sort of letdown, uh, or someone's, you know, they're going to make one wrong decision, like they're going to kill off the wrong character, or the wrong ending will happen, and then pe- they'll get killed for it. I mean, well, it's 2019; they're going to get killed regardless of what they do. I mean, Twitter is is merciless, so you just got to enjoy it. They, it's been a great ride, and. It's crazy to think that it's going to be over in in less than a week. Yeah. Yeah, another thing that's gotten killed and everybody thought it was going to be amazing and it was polarizing and everything in between is the Star Wars. Mm. Um, the whole Star Wars um, properties. And when Last Jedi came out, there was a, a large group of people who just absolutely loved the fact that they're going in a different direction. And that it was going to be kind of moved a little bit away from the Skywalker family. And maybe you could have people that were nine Skywalkers that could utilize the Force. And now the Star Wars trailer drops and it's the rise of Skywalker. (laughs) (laughs) And it's like, I, I think, I believe that it's going to be pretty much straightforward i don't think jj abrams is gonna throw a twist in there um but what did you think when you saw the trailer for star wars um i don't think it should be called the rise of the skywalker i think it should be called the rise of the retcon 
because that's literally how I felt watching that. I thought like he's I was like, oh, he's totally going to just ignore that the last Jedi happened. Like yeah. it's and like, you know, in many ways, I, I understand why he did that or why he's doing that. But uh, it it definitely is going to be going back to what J.J. Abrams did in The Force Awakens, keeping that tone, keeping that the nostalgia of the of the of the Star Wars franchise. So I I, I wasn't that pumped. Like there were parts of it where I was pumped. Like, I, let's put it that way. Um, but that opening scene where it's like she's standing uh, where Ray is standing out in the you know the field and I'm assuming it was Kylo Ren was piloting the TIE fighter to attack her. Yeah. Like that didn't really get me pumped. Like everything else like that I was just like, "Oh, okay." Like they're gonna fight. Like of course, like we knew they were gonna fight. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. What did you think when you first heard about it? When you first saw it? You know, it's funny that you should say that because it feels like they're trying. They're trying to do like three really big things all in one movie. Mm-hmm. They're trying to have a rebirth of the entire franchise after <laughs> Last Jedi. They're trying to finish a story that they started mm-hmm. two movies ago. And they're trying to keep people interested because these movies are still making a billion dollars every time they release one. So now you're trying to prepare it for whatever the next wave of Star Wars stuff happens. And that's a lot to pull off in one movie. And it's going to be interesting to see if they're not careful, what they're going to end up doing is having a very similar response to The Last Jedi. But I have a feeling, I predict, I predict that they are actually going to speak more to the nostalgia crowd in this last one. Mm-hmm. And it's going to feel like a retcon in huge ways. And that would be my guess. Um They've in, they've reintroduced potentially Darth Sidious or Emperor Palatine. Um, Palpatine, yeah. Thank you. And I had the name right in front of me, and I called it Palatine, which is a suburb of Chicago. It is, yeah. Um, so there you go. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's early. It's it's, it's early. Yeah. And that suburb has been a lot like Darth Sidious over the years. No, it hasn't. Um, ooh, ooh, that's right. So. It is um, interesting, right? Like, now you have Darth Sidious back in, and you have all this cryptic kind of Buddhist stuff. You never really go away. Things just change. <laughs> and I'm not sure after the treatment of Luke Skywalker in Last Jedi if he's the wise old sage we, <laughs> we were hoping he would become. <laughs> oh, the angry old hermit more than anything. <laughs> I know, it's just angry and desolate and bitter and worried. <laughs> now he's I'm, gone. <laughs> so my question is, are they going to have uh, Luke Skywalker come back as the Force projection, kind of the Force ghost, like Obi-Wan to Rey? Or is J.J. Abrams just going to say, screw it, and just find a way to bring him back to life? And just be like, nope, you didn't die in The Last Jedi. And just, like, bring him back. Because that would be... out. That's honestly what's going to be most intriguing to me at this point is going to be how much of The Last Jedi are they going to either ignore or retcon. Because, yeah. like, I, after the after Force Awakens, I was pretty pumped about the Star Wars series. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then the, I saw Last Jedi, and I didn't hate the film. Like it wasn't a horrible film. I just thought he missed a lot of the marks, and a lot of and a lot of things about it didn't make sense. Now it's kind of just like, oh yeah, we have to finish the trilogy because when you do when you do movies, you do trilogies now. Right. <laughs> I don't know. I feel bad. I feel like they're. Like, eh. Their character arcs are all thrown apart, are thrown all over the place. There's so many characters now that I have to keep track of, and I don't even know where the story is going to go. Like, how many times are we going to have the same? Like, are they going back to the the good versus evil kind of battle that Star Wars has always done, or is he going to dip more into the gray areas that the Last Jedi did? What the hell is Emperor Palpatine doing back in this in this universe? He's he should be dead. They should all be dead. I mean, yeah. sh- shoot, they even got Lando Calrissian back. <laughs> why? Mm-hmm. I, why? Because, remember, he was in Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm looking yeah. at the credits here, and something just clicked. You have a picture of Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. and then you have the story. The story they're crediting to George Lucas. Ooh. Um, what? Why? I know, right? Like, is there a... Well, I shouldn't get too far ahead of myself, but I'm going to anyways, because that's why... When you're talking about a movie eight months before it comes out, these are the kinds of comments that you make that I'm about to make. This is going to be a complete nostalgia fest and love affair with Carrie Fisher's character. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to be the takeaway, I, I believe. And... They're going to do a little bit of this paradoxical stuff around living and dying and you never really go away when you die. And mm-hmm. Mark Hamill, I wouldn't be shocked if what you said earlier does kind of rear its ugly head in some way. If they're more traditional, he's going to show up as a force, as a spa- as a force ghost, not a space ghost. Yeah, not, no, that's a, that's a TV show. Or yes, was. it is. <laughs> and, and you know, we talked about it. I talked about that on a podcast before. There's not a lot of characters in the Space Coast universe. <laughs> but getting back to Star Wars, um, I don't think that. I think that uh, if they go back to the traditional way they do this, when a Jedi dies, they come back as a space as a Force ghost. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even say it. I mean, I wish it was a space ghost. That'd be fun. Uh, oh, I think it's because I saw the movie Shazam and they have these wristbands on. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, that's not why. Oh, we're in trouble. This is bad. Okay, so that's our our little reaction to the Star Wars trailer. It'll be good or it'll be awesome or it'll be somewhere in between or it'll be horrible. One of the three. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure we'll have more to say as as time goes on. Let's just that was we just did it sort of initial reactions. I mean. It's a Star Wars movie. It's the ending of this trilogy, so I'm going to go see it. Like, I mean, there's really nothing to be said other other than that. Yeah, so far. Good point. That's a nice way to wrap up, put a bow on Let's that. wait till the ending is leaked in about three weeks, and then we can talk about that. <laughs> right. And then the director comes out and tells him, wait, I don't spoil the movie eight months ahead of time. Don't <laughs> Disney will kill me. Yes. So now we're heading into some of our main, we have two main events today. The undercard is going to be Game of Thrones episode mm-hmm. one of the final season. So Eric, yes. turn it over to you to provide reactions. But I would ask mm-hmm. that you provide a little bit of a bookend in the sense of quickly bring us up to speed. <laughs> like, how do you do oh, that man. with 80 episodes? In? <laughs> so it's, I mean, 
if you want, if if I were to describe this show to somebody who's never seen it before, or you know, if I don't even really know where to start because it's it's a sprawling story. And before the season, I would have told you that it it's uh just a whole multitude of characters located throughout an entire uh world of this fantasy world and i mean there's like 20 30 different characters on different continents um but basically but the good thing about this season is now they've all come together and so after seven seasons of this person over here and this person a thousand miles over here they've all come together in one in one or two spots and why have they come together in one or two spots because there is the great enemy the great other that's coming to kill them called white walkers when they're basically zombies they're what are whites or some this this evil monster with his huge massive army is coming to wipe out all of humanity and extinguish the light and bring the darkness essentially and so um it basically the i'm trying to think about how to describe it because Avengers gets all this buzz and all these theories and all these videos. And I think Game of Thrones is probably the one show or one, you know, movie that actually comes close to, if not overtaking the amount of speculation, the amount of videos that come out about it. So my expectations for this uh, opening episode were all over the place. And so basically the main characters are Kit Harrington is the actor who plays Jon Snow. And he's essentially become the king of the north, or the king of Winterfell, which is one giant province in the whole country called uh, Westeros. And if you think of Westeros, it's basically like uh, the UK. It's almost like geographically almost very similar. And so I guess in this analogy, it's essentially Scotland. Which Oh, <laughs> so nice. It's, yeah, it's all the way up north. It's probably the biggest. And... um. The other main characters are Amelia Clarks, who is Daenerys Targaryen, who is the mother of dragons. So in the f- at the end of the first season, she basically was, you know, left for dead. So she goes into a funeral pyre for her husband with three, like, fossilized dragon eggs. And she comes out, and she survives it because she can do that. <laughs> and she comes out with mm. three baby dragons. And now she has three full dragons. Uh, so. Yeah, wow. I'm trying to think about how I can condense this as much as I can. This first episode was actually was very good because it was a very traditional Game of Thrones episode. So the first episode is all about setup. And they, okay. you know, reestablish where all the characters are, reestablish what the enemy is, what the story is, what the th- underlying themes of the, of the episode are going to be. But what this episode will be remembered for more than anything are the reunions. And when you mm-hmm. spend as much time as I have and many people have with these characters, you get really like, you know, like emotionally invested in these characters. You really know these characters really well. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they finally have been able to meet some of the people that they haven't met in a long time. And so Jon Snow is part of the Stark family, which is they're the Lords of the North. He hasn't seen his sisters or his sister Arya or his brother Bran, who are two other main characters in this story and uh, very much beloved. And he hasn't seen them since the first episode of the first season. So, and so, you know, for us, that's like 10 years or eight years. Mm-hmm. And so that was very emotional for us. Um, and I thought that they did the reunions really well. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you know, <laughs> there are many times where I definitely wanted to start crying when they finally saw each other and they started hugging and being very happy. Um, but I think I'll just, just really quickly, I think the, the thing it got us most excited for is the upcoming battle. And so this is, this is supposed to be Jon Snow has gathered as much, as many people as he can to fight the, the White Walker threat because the White Walker threat is supposed to be impossible to kill. And mm-hmm. They've all come to Winterfell, which is this giant ancient castle that is the ancient home of the Stark family. And essentially, in I think episode three, there's going to be an enormous, like, hour-long battle in the snow. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what. A lot of our most our 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 most loved characters are going to die. Like a mm. lot of people are going to die, and mm. it's going to be kind of like Avengers in that sense. Mm-hmm. But instead of everyone getting poofed into dust, it's going to be this person gets slain, this person gets slain, and it, there's going to be a lot of crying in that episode. Mm. Um, but I got to say, like, I've had blinders on for the past week. Like, I, this show is all I can think about right now. And so at first I was really pumped that Avengers is coming out a couple weeks after Game of Thrones. I was like, oh my god, so much. But honestly, in the last week, I haven't even thought about Avengers because... I've been in full Game of Thrones mode, just like getting all the the reactions of the first episode, what certain things could mean. I'm trying not to do spoilers. I'm trying to do more just theories and trying to speculate. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of my Game of Thrones sort of first episode review. I could go more in depth, but I don't want to take over the entire episode because it could take me an hour, hour and a half to kind of explain this whole story. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like it's sprawling. It's got a lot of elements to it that science fiction fans would love. Yes. Um, dra- I mean, dragons. Who doesn't love dragons, right? I mean, it's, it's like... very, it's very much a, a Dungeons and Dragons um, kind of fantasy world. Whereas most of the the show is really gets good when it does sort of the politics of all mm-hmm. these different characters and rulers and how they how they outplay each other in the Game of Thrones to try and win power and to own the power. And so that part was awesome, and that made the that made the show as popular as it is today. But mm. at this point in the story, most of the politics are done. Like, there's really nothing else to talk about, or to you know, or to outsmart each other about. Now it's essentially just getting everyone together to fight and die. And oh, wow. so it's kind of just like when war when war comes, politics kind of slows down because. There's no time to fight and argue and backstab. It's now it's just fight or die. And so it's it's something that people have been pumped for for a long time. Um, and that's the other thing. I if The show had took a hiatus for like a year and a half, almost two years. And when you take that long, you'd think people would sort of disengage or forget about the story or not be as invested. And I definitely f- was afraid that was going to happen to me as well as others. But that's not at all what happened. <laughs> It was just like, you know, you haven't seen the, these characters for so long. It, it became very nostalgic to a show that hasn't ended yet. And I I missed it. I missed it so much. And it's it's my favorite show. And I'm just really happy that it's going to be, that it's on. Yeah. It sounds awesome. And it's um, it does sound like a show that I do appreciate that you, we don't want to spoil because it's literally happening right now. All right. Yeah, so... You know, Game of Thrones is is, is just the sprawling story that I could talk about forever, and I'm needless to say, I'm very excited about it. 
But, um, Tom, I believe that there was a little movie that came out not too long ago that you've been very excited for and actually finally got to go see. And it's a little movie called Shazam. This, you know, this, this, this DC superhero. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about it? What'd you think about it? What'd you like about it? What did you not like about it? Yeah. So I finally got a chance to see Shazam and I didn't think it was going to take me this long. Um, it's one of those movies when I heard about it, I was going to go and see it the opening weekend, but I really didn't have a chance. Things kept on getting in the way and we have real lives outside of these properties. And so that kind of took me away. So this was a, a lot of fun. So this is a, a movie. So I do think it's important to provide a little bit of context to Shazam. So Shazam is originally the character Captain Marvel or Captain Marvel. And it's a comic book. He's a, a comic book superhero that appeared in publications in American publishing DC Comics. And the artist C.C. Beck and the writer Bill Parker actually created the character back in 1939. Uh, he first appeared in Wiz Comics number two, which was published in 1940 and uh, actually was published through Fawcett Comics. Mm. And his alter ego, Billy Batson, he's a boy who, when he speaks the magic word Shazam. So what is Shaz he turns into this, you know, the superhero. So Shazam actually is an acronym. It stands for Solomon, Hercules, Atlas, Zeus, Achilles, and Mercury. He can transform himself into a costume adult. So that's when he says Shazam, he, he transforms into this costume character. And I think with this this original movie, the the not I think I know that the bad guy is Doctor Savannah, who is he wants to have all the powers of Shazam, and he was rejected. So early on in the film, this will be spoiler laden now, and it's the movie's been out for three weeks. So hopefully, people who are listening to this <laughs> have already seen it. But um, a young uh, Doctor Savannah and his family are traveling along and he actually is kind of the needy clingy child that the father dislikes and is very mean and dismissive towards his older brother is equally as kind of arrogant and mean towards Dr. Savannah as a child. Mm -hmm. And that's how the movie starts. And he has this kind of magic experience where he ends up in this, it's kind of the rock of eternity or this place where the wizard Shazam is located. And he has this encounter with Shazam. So Shazam is more about the magical power of Shazam. So, which is a little kind of to wrap your head around. Billy Batson is given and granted that power but he is not the sole possessor of that or the originator of sh the Shazam power. So that could be a little confusing. But So the wizard is down there, and Dr. Zavanna has this encounter with the wizard, and he fails. And from that point on, he wants to get back to that place where he can get the power of Shazam. Mm -hmm. And also in this this area called the Rock of Eternity, there's the seven deadly sins. So you have therein kind of um, statue form. And he makes his way back as an adult to that place through magic. And he's he gets possessed by the seven deadly sins. Mm -hmm. 
And so that's how Dr. Savannah can go after Shazam because Shazam's pretty powerful at the end of the day. <laughs> so this movie, though, is not about power <laughs> in a superhero way. It is actually a lot about it's a coming of ages story for Billy Batson. Yeah. And not, and not only Billy Bats and his family. And one thing that this movie does better than the comic books is the way it captures the family. So the parents are the Vasquez family. The father is awesome. He they he's like this husky. I can't tell if he's Hawaiian or if he's what nationality or ethnicity he is. I'm not even sure if it matters. Um he could actually be Latino. His wife is uh, Latina. And they're probably Latino, actually. And but he's really got a lot of heart to him, a lot of size to him. He's got a nice, strong personality. He kind of holds things together. The mom has got a lot of. She's very nurturing and caring, and they run a home where they have a lot of uh, foster children in the home, and all of these foster siblings actually end up being the Shazam family at the end. Spoilers. So you have Freddie, Pedro, Darla, Eugene, Mary, and then Billy. I hope I'm not missing one. I feel like I'm missing a child here somewhere. <laughs> uh, but the star of the show as a child is actually Freddie. And in this particular movie, Freddie is, he's got a condition, so he's got a cane. And they they say it in the, in the, in the movie. He either has a dehabilitating disease or he had an accident, but he's he has to utilize a cane. This guy, is, this little kid, is sharp as a tack. He is hilarious. He's funny. He's like every little nerd's dream. He knows everything about superheroes. And what's so cool about this movie is they pull in superhero lore mm-hmm. within the universe in the story. So I'll give you an example. Um, Billy comes to this foster home after he runs away from his last foster home and he keeps running away because he's trying to find his mom who abandoned him when he was two years old at a carnival. So he runs away. He's taken into this this home and Freddie takes him up to his room. He opens up his top dresser drawer and you see two newspapers. And I forgot what the other one said, but the one that I saw very clearly had Superman right over the front of it. And he he pulls out this little Ziploc bag and he said, this bullet bounced off Superman's chest. <laughs> so it's kind of like so self-aware in that way. This movie was very self-aware of the community. I mean, how many you know speculation products are there in the comic book community? You have the books themselves. You have Funko toys. You have, and for them to kind of treat those novelty items as speculation property was really cool. And Freddie's like, this has been. Um, you know, someone looked at it and they think it's worth like $400 or something. It was really funny. And they do that throughout the movie, by the way. They pull in Batman stuff. He actually had a replica Batman um, ninja Batman star. <laughs> <laughs> too, and I thought that was cool. And so Freddy, in a lot of ways, is a star. But also another star among the children is Darla. She's a really young little um, African-American girl. She is the cutest little thing. She says the funniest things. And really the, the heart of the story is around the foster children. And mm-hmm. Billy, is, Billy is just another one of the foster kids. He just happens to... So what happens and how he actually gets the power, and a lot of people know this already because they stuck pretty close to the source material in some ways. 
in the origin story stayed pretty close to the Jeff Johns story in New 52 uh, about five, ten years ago. So he, they're at school and these bullies kind of rough up Freddy and Billy jumps in and tries to help and he hits him a couple of times and of course they're bigger and stronger than he is and it doesn't do much. So he runs away and he ends up in this train underneath and and the whole thing takes place in philadelphia which is really cool because it really feels grounded in philadelphia so he gets in the in the we call them the l station here i don't know what they call them in philadelphia the mass transit train system but he jumps in that and he has an encounter with shazam and that's where he gets his powers now from there on he is shazam but he's always developmentally 13 or 14 years old (laughs) so In that way, like in that way, it feels very childish. This this does not have does not have the feeling of like an Avengers movie. It does not have the feel of even like Wonder Woman, where she walked across no man's land. There's nothing like that in this entire film. It is a lot more like Harry Potter ish in some ways because you have all these children that live in a foster home and they're trying to figure this out together and then you have these caring nurturing adults in the Vasquez family um it's a lot more like that than it's very or it's it is an origin film and it has it actually had a lot of the innocence of the phase one marvel origin movies Hmm. that that's how I would probably compare it to kind of a mixture of your phase one MCU origin films mixed with like a Harry Potter feel. And I think that was actually a good way to go because the Shazam character, the source material, his power comes from magic. It doesn't like Superman's comes from Krypton and his connection to Kryptonite and all that nonsense. Um, His is his connection to magic. And so there's a lot of magical entities in the shazam world so one of them they hit on was the seven deadly sins but another one is the seven they have the seven lands and that's a part of the shazam thing so you have like the earth land you have the wild lands you have fun lands and that might come into play in future films should they make it mm-hmm. um and so this is that is the feel of this film and basically what what billy is faced with is not replicating and this is kind of the deep psychological angle (laughs) so his mom abandons him in his whole young life he's searching for his mother and later on he's got to decide that he's not going to be a runner and he's not going to run from his foster family he's going to use his powers to face dr savannah and take responsibility in other words he's going to not be a coward Mm-hmm. Which, when you think about it, is so. I guess it's real life. It could feel a little cruel. It's hard. It's also a really nice center to a story because <laughs> it, it made the story feel like important in that way. Like he's yeah. he's not just playing with new toys that he found in the Rock of Eternity under Philadelphia. He's actually trying to to gain the courage to grow up and be a man. Mm-hmm. Despite despite the fact that his mom abandoned him and his dad's in prison somewhere in Florida, um, so that's that's Shazam. Um, well, you know, it's like it's it is an origin story, and 
it's it's sounding like it's not you know the Dark Knight or Superman Returns where these DC movies where they're you know super dark and like you know realistic is I guess is one way you could say it. This is more like Aquaman where it's very much a fantasy, very lighthearted. And would you say this was this could be considered a kids movie even just because the children or the the, the main characters are children and it's very family driven and it's about it's sort of the coming of age story that is very prevalent in superhero origin films yes yes it definitely <laughs> is and it it's got these themes in it that there's lessons throughout and mm-hmm. you know one of them is around billy and his current and his need to to be courageous um freddie has his own little story arc yeah and he originally does treat the the shazam powers almost like it's his even though it's not he yeah. doesn't be he doesn't get the power until the end of the film uh where the Shazam family all gets the power and so that that's what you know when you take the kids out to like a real d three d kids movie and there's always these really cool lessons throughout the mm-hmm. movie that's what this is <laughs> that's, oh, that's awesome yeah, that's what this is now what they do fault in, and I do think that sometimes these movies need to pick a lane. And maybe we're more sensitized because we're a little bit older, or at least mm-hmm. I am. There's a scene where he faces Dr. Savannah's. Dr. Savannah faces his father. And Dr. Savannah's father is basically the generic version of Lex Luthor and his family. So he's the powerful father figure who owns a company and he's ruthless and he's greedy and he doesn't care about his son. That's in a nutshell. So Dr. Savannah goes and faces his father at the board meeting of his company. And the seven deadly sins kind of break out for the first time in that scenario through Dr. Savannah. And that gets a little, that does get a little um, brutal for kids. Um, But maybe in the video game era where, People bite off heads and stab people and do all sorts of violent things that maybe. But I would say that for children, that's not really that appropriate. He threw his brother through a window to his death. Um, I think they probably could have handled that in a more kid-friendly way to keep it really kid-friendly. Mm-hmm. And there was another part where a scientist puts their hand on the door, which when it opens goes to the Rock of Eternity, and she pretty much melted it was really cool visual aesthetic, <laughs> I will say. <laughs> I thought they pulled it off well, but uh, for kids, it was a little gruesome, potentially. A little too Raiders of the Lost Arky, maybe? Yeah, it was. They actually had that Raiders of the Lost Ark feel to it. Although I saw that as a, as a young teen and absolutely loved it. Um, I mean, I saw that movie when I was like five, and it terrified me, but I loved I, I still loved it, though. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but it is. It's This is... Uh, you know what? It's like Aquaman, but it's not like Aquaman. It's this is more grounded in, in real life. Actually, very very few times does this movie actually feel like it's got a bunch of CGI things going on with it. Nice. Um, I don't know if you noticed that this <laughs> Warner Brothers tends to do magic, smoke, kid mm-hmm. stuff. Those stories they do a lot better than they do the the, the other stuff, or so far to date. And this is kind of what that feels like. It has that kind of feel to it, but it's it's very um, it's more of a realistic kind of a feel. 
So if there's any critique I had to it, and I was kind of struck by this at some point in it, is that um, Shazam, so when you think about Shazam, he is mm -hmm. attached to these really powerful, cool entities, right? And one of them is Solomon, right? Yeah. <laughs> and Solomon is supposed to be the wisest man who ever walked the earth. And he doesn't necessarily show any of that wisdom. And I know they have to balance it. It's an origin. He's 13. <laughs> but there, I should say that there, there's room to move with this character. And he's going to need to grow up. And that's why it feels like it definitely is an origin feel to it. It feels very kind of childish and goofy. The main character, um, Levi, I can't remember his first name. Zachary. Thank you, Zachary. Zach Levi. Yeah, mm -hmm. he he definitely is. Uh, he's very. Um, he fills up the screen. He takes up a lot of energy, and it's really cool. I will say though that the that the kids stole the show for me. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's. I remember when I was first seeing the trailers, and I actually really liked the direction that they were going in, where it was more of a kids' film, where it was, I guess, family friendly might be a better way to put it. Um, and it's just lighthearted, and, and it seemed like the, everyone on the movie's having fun. Like, they're not trying to make this this epic, this, you know, $1 billion profit superhero film that's like The Dark Knight. Like, they had a chance to really just make this story the way that they wanted to make it, and, and just have and have fun with this source material. Um, when it started, when it got closer to it, it, it looked like they're going to make it too kid-friendly, almost like they could rate it PG, and it yeah. was going to be kind of lame, almost. <laughs> but I do like like the response is great. Like it's it's got a ninety percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's led the box office, I think. It, at least at least it's opening weekend, so it's well received and it's apparently a pretty good movie. So I mean, it's good good for them. I'm happy that all these people were able to make a successful film because it probably means that they're going to go in this direction for the other Marvel films that'll come out. And I'm sure they, I heard they tease Superman in 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 the in the end credit scene, but I mean I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not sure. Yeah, they do. They have, there's a scene where, well, Freddy is getting teased all the time in school. And mm -hmm. early in the movie, he says that he's friends with, they don't see another cool thing is they don't know what to call Shazam. So they're trying to come up with all these different names for him throughout the yeah. movie. Like at one time they call him Sparkle Fingers and Power Boy. And, you know, and that is hilarious. So they, I can't remember what the kids were calling him, the Red Cyclone or something. And, he said that he's friends with this, you know, with this character and the bullies say, well, no, you're not. And Shazam doesn't show up mm. and he gets brutalized pretty good. They don't show that, which I'm glad they didn't. And then at the end of the film, Shazam shows up in the lunchroom and shows the bullies. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm friends with this dude. And guess what? I'm also friends with this guy and Superman walks in. <laughs> <laughs> So, but they don't show Henry Cavill's face, and I know that he's in contract. He was in a contract dispute with Warner Brothers and wasn't getting really what he wanted, and so I have no idea how that's going to pan out. But that may have led to him not being in this movie, his head not being in this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of weird how they would have to do that, where like they'd introduce Superman but not show his face. So, yeah. like, almost like they'd have to pl play it as a joke, and like, or else it'd be too weird. So. Uh, I don't know. I feel I feel kind of bad for Henry Cavill. He, I feel like he got kind of screwed on the last few superhero movies, and yeah, he just he wants did. out. 
But yeah. it's awesome. I mean, maybe they'll maybe Shazam can join the Justice League now for the next Justice League movie, which hopefully will come out in like ten years. And they'll that's the thing. I think you hit something on it. This character needs some time to breathe and grow. He's just he's not he's not a fully organized and functioning superhero. <laughs> <laughs> In which is part of the aesthetic. Like he's young and he's clumsy. He's learning how to kind of grow into his body and grow into his mentality and his responsibilities. And so it's definitely one of those coming of ages type of a type of a stories. But I thought the visual aesthetic was good. I thought the story, there's definitely a through arc, a, a narrative that runs through the entire thing, which is really nice to have in any film. It leaves with some nice setups to the next movie should they decide to make it. And there's a strong, strong hint at Black Adam. And I've heard a couple of different rumors on this. I've heard that Black Adam was going to get his own film first, which would be played by Dwayne Johnson, a.k.a. The Rock. And then the third film would be Shazam 2, and that would have Black Adam and Shazam in the film together. So that could be pretty interesting. And this there's a there is a slice, there is an audience here that mm-hmm. I think they're speaking to. It's not necessarily the old fogey types, although I was listening to a podcast earlier today and these are some guys that have been comic book fans since they were since the you know the mid seventies and they actually loved it. So this actually could be an entity they could get that could have some legs to it. Or property. Nice, yeah. Well, I mean, so I'm, I guess I'll have to look forward to that. Uh, I I was just thinking about I I'm just thinking big picture because that's that's all I can think about right now is they did Aquaman movie now they did Shazam movie. If I was a producer at WB, my next thought would be how can we do a Green Lantern movie so we can mm-hmm. finally get Justice League two and kind of read and get and get a second shot at the Justice League film. Which is why I was saying like 10 years from now, because if they come out with the Justice League in two years, like you're saying, Shazam didn't get enough room to breathe. He didn't get enough room to grow. Mm-hmm. And I th- it seems like if they actually go the route where they bring Black Adam and give him his own movie, um, or in- they don't even need to get bring it- give him his own movie. They could just introduce him in the mm-hmm. second film and give him his own little character arc. Then that will definitely give Shazam some room to grow and will get them ready to fight. Um whoever they're going to fight in, uh, uh, and it was a dark side or dark seed. And yeah. which, which I'm really hoping is the enemy. It will eventually show his face in the DC universe. Cause he's, he's their, he's the big bad guy. And he, they already kind of, um, what do you call it? They kind of prefaced him in the first justice league film. And so I at least want to see, see if he's going to be involved or if they're kind of just staying away from that whole story arc and trying to go this other more grounded sort of like, family-based sort of films yeah it'll be interesting the the whole okay so here's a little bit of a side note (laughs) so the they're planning on making a film based on the new gods Mm -hmm. so that is where dark seed comes from okay so when you think about it not a lot of people know a lot about dark seed and but what they've done is they've Ava DuVernay, who, who she's done some really cool movies, and she's actually been—I think she may be an Oscar winner, actually. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, she is going to do a New Gods film. And what I'm kind of getting at here is I think what Warner Brothers and DC are trying to do is get really good directors and put a lot of creative a lot of creative juice and energy into these films and not just treat Flash, Batman and Superman as kind of these one-trick ponies and just spin out all these terrible films. Mm-hmm. So when New Gods starts to breathe a little bit you have the furies that's a whole female warrior group and big barda is in the middle of that big barda is a a warrior she's huge she's i mean she could be a really cool character to have live on screen Mm -hmm. um you have scott free um mr miracle is kind of in that whole group and these are characters that the rest of the world hasn't heard a lot about but it gives them some room to move like everybody thinks they know batman superman flash and wonder woman right like and i think they got wonder woman right so they don't have to worry about that one as much but mm-hmm. with the other three they're sick of them because and they already know so much about them so if they start to develop those characters and then kind of piggybacking on your thought with the green lanterns the new gods is this multi-galaxy kind of concept so and that's what the Green Lanterns are. They're the they're the DC's version of the Guardians of the Galaxy. Not as in the sense that their characters are like the Guardians of the Galaxy, but the purpose for the character. They guard the galaxies mm-hmm. from threat. And I think that would be a nice tie-in, actually, to the New Gods, is if they were to find a way to do a Green Lantern um, movie. Well, I was thinking about it. They could do sort of a Captain Marvel introduction where it's like, well, where's Green Lantern been this whole time? It's like, oh, he's out protecting the galaxy. He's not just protecting Earth. Well, isn't his mission supposed to be to protect the sector that Earth is in, right? So not just Earth, but kind of like that whole area. Right. So, I mean, but I guess introducing him would be kind of tough at this point. Um, But I do agree that I do like the direction that they're trying to take it in. Um, They're trying to take their time, be more creative, because there is no rush. Like, you know, the right. superhero craze is kind of dying down because it's the same movie over and over and over again. Yeah. So <clears throat> just take your time, do it right. Like, if you need to take a year or two before these movies come back, before these characters come back. But I, what I wanted to say about Darkseid and what you're saying with the new gods is I don't really know the new gods. I wasn't, I'm not really a DC uh, comic reader, but it's like, I feel like even if you're not, it's the same thing with Thanos where before the Avengers films, no one really knew who Thanos was outside of comic book fans. Yeah. But now, like, people know a lot. Of, now Thanos is one of the most, you know, well-known characters in the sort of all these superhero film franchises. Mm-hmm. So if if DC and Warner Brothers does it right, then they'll be just as popular, just as well-known. And by the time the movies come out, it won't even matter that if you have or have not read the comics, you'll know who these characters are. And they just – they just – that kind of stuff just takes, like you're saying, creativity and time. And so far in 2019, and I guess if with Aquaman in 2018, they're going in the right direction. And I'm hoping that they spend more time on producing the scripts and the characters instead of just throwing CGI monsters after CGI monsters. And so they they have a, they have opportunities, and they have a, what looks like a, a clear path ahead of them. So let's mm-hmm. let's. I think Shazam's a great way to keep it going and to introduce a new character. 
Um, just got to be careful to not fall back into the same cliches that people are so worn out with, with yeah. in terms of superhero origins or superhero villains. Um, I mean, they could easily do that. And yeah, so they, they, just gotta, they just got to be careful. Yeah, I mean, if you're not careful, you end up with what we got with the most recent Hellboy movie, which <laughs> everybody is asking themselves, why did they make this movie now that they saw it? Yes. And, I mean, that's probably exactly what you what you just got done saying. You you have a character that people kind of know because of Del Toro's films. Mm-hmm. You have all this superhero craze going on. Why not make a Hellboy movie? And the reason why you don't just throw that out there into the ether fear is because you might make a really bad movie. And people will diss on it and not like it. And for good reason, because it doesn't have a very good story. And it's just throwing cliche after cliche. And people are getting kind of sick of it. They're looking for they're looking for a little more meat and potatoes, a little more meat on the bone, as they say. When it comes to these movies, and you have to be pretty sophisticated in your production of these superhero films and get the right mix and stay within the boundaries of the character that you're making the movie about. And I think that when you think about Shazam, that's what they did. They stayed solidly within the confines and the boundaries of that property. They did not try to make him into something more than that. And that gets you a film that's successful. It's not going to make a billion dollars at the box office, but they only spent $80 million on the budget, which is a lot of money, but it, it, it doesn't need to make a billion dollars to break even. And so that's, I think, staying within the confines of the property, getting good directors and good creative teams to create good stories that have some potential to, to grow and to mm-hmm. expand. I think that's what I... I'm most excited about that. Like you said, I'm most excited about that when I think about Warner Brothers and DC moving forward. Yeah, I mean, so for Hellboy, I didn't have high hopes really to begin with. Like, so the first, the Del Toro Hellboy movies, like, they were fun. They weren't exactly, like, great movies or anything like that. They were just fun movies and it had the artistic style that Del Toro is known for. And that really made it, like, fun to watch. I had some hopes for this film because it was a sort of rated R like superhero film. And so you're thinking like, Oh, they'll have fun with it. And the writers and directors and actors will have fun with it. And it appears maybe they had too much fun and they didn't, and they forgot to actually involve like characters and like a decent plot. Um, But I'm just going to say that when I realized it was bad was the trailers leading up to the reveal. I was looking at Hellboy and I went, okay, wait, what's wrong with his face? Like there was something like, it's, it, even if it's that small and that simple, I was just like looking at his face and I'm just like, there's something like he looks like like fake or like weird. I know it's just simple makeup, but he looks stupid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I feel bad because I love David Harbour as an actor. I love him in Stranger Things. Um, so I, I want to think I want to say it's not him. It was more just like the way the makeup and the costume design was. It just didn't work for me. And on top of that, it's, it's also Mila Jovovich in like a horror action film. CGI film so like that was a pretty good indicator that this movie was going to be terrible because <laughs> oh. she's a fine act she's a fine actor like I got, nothing, I got nothing against her like I love Resident Evil for their own weird ways but she hasn't made a good horror film in like ever quite honestly so I don't oh, know maybe yeah. that's like the, the curse of the Resident Evil franchise kind of ruining this film but oh, that's yeah funny. so 
I didn't have high hopes for it, and it apparently was as bad as as my fears were. Um, maybe they'll stop making Hellboy movies finally. Like this was this is a movie no one asked for. Like, no, no one. <laughs> nobody wanted a Hellboy movie. This movie, like the, the the last one came out. I guess it was when when did the Golden Army come out? It was like uh, ten years ago almost. So I guess maybe they thought, oh hey, let's make a reboot this time. When they didn't need to, because we have all these other superhero movies. Why are you giving me this one? And it's like, if you want giant monsters attacking a city, like, make Attack on Titan, which is apparently a really, 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 really popular anime felt show where giant monsters attack cities. Like, try and do that. Especially if you're trying to market to an international audience, which I'm sure this movie was trying to do. Right. Um, but, whatever, you know. Yeah, you're Hollywood- right. Hollywood makes terrible movies like this all the time, and they waste millions of dollars, and no one goes and sees them, and then they just fall, and then they just fall off to the side, and everyone forgets about them in a couple weeks. Yeah, or we hope they do. Like this is the kind of this is the kind of bad that you need to kind of walk it off for <laughs> about a half a decade. <laughs> so, is there a chance that this movie could gain steam as like a is like one of those corny, stupid, bad films that people? you know secretly love and becomes like kind of like a cult uh favorite like five years from now i was i was wondering about that but um i i talked okay my source here is christian from christian <laughs> it's amazing nerd show and i asked him he went and saw it and i said well how was it i mean because i this looks like a movie that everybody might just you know rag on and then secretly a bunch of people it's like fun bad yeah, and he said it was horrible. He said it was the first forty-five minutes. He almost fell asleep. He said there's no through line in this in the movie. You have no idea why they're where they're at, and they just do a bad job of kind of getting people acclimated to a movie. And I've said this before, and we've talked about it in the podcast. A movie has a job to do, even even when you have a string of twenty-some movies in a row and you have the finality coming out in a week, you still have a little caretaking you have to do at the very beginning of that film even to let people know, okay, this is where you are. These are who these people are. This is how we get along. You kind of have to train the audience. And when you have a property like Hellboy, the last movie came out in 2004, like you said, so that's almost 15 years ago, 15 years ago. Jeez, yeah. So you have to do a little caretaking at the beginning of that film just to let people know who the characters are, what's their relationship to the world, what's their relationship to their powers, are they good, are they bad, are they something somewhere in between, and you have to train the audience. If you don't do that very well, people, if you don't do it in a way that's engaging, people are not going to be very interested in the film. Mm-hmm. And they don't do that with this very well, is from what I hear. Now I haven't seen the movie, and it's really, really fun to talk about a movie I haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, that's my brain finally kicking in. Um, yeah, I mean, I just going what you're saying, where a movie has to set things up, especially in the first twenty, thirty minutes of a movie. It's like you know you're setting the table up for dinner. Yeah. And the thing about like the Avengers, and then going back to even Game of Thrones is. You've had a they've they've been setting the table for a decade now, right? And so there's no more plates, there's no more food that you have to put on this table. It's now it's time to eat, and this movie didn't have that luxury. And if it did, if it if a movie doesn't do that correctly, 
<clears throat> then you have no idea where you're going. You're like, wait, where are the potatoes? Wait, where, where, where's the macaroni and cheese? Like, I, wait, it's still in the microwave. Oh, Jesus, let's go get it. Wait, my, you know. And so people get confused, and then they get bored, and then they get disengaged. And that's what happens to so many movies, especially movies like this, where they probably assumed everyone who's going to see it knows the story or knows yeah. kind of yeah. characters. So why set them up? Yeah. And it's like, yeah. well, guess what? I don't know who the Blood Queen is. I don't know who any of these people are. And so, I don't know. Maybe they could have done better. Um, I don't know. I, I, I think I'm, I'm sounding like I've seen this movie, which I haven't. So I can't rag on it too much. I was getting more just to the point of what you were saying in terms of uh, how movies have a job to do in setting up their films. Yeah. I mean, they also have to know their audience, too, right? Like, mm-hmm. when you go to a certain restaurant, we're going to work this metaphor into the ground. As best we can. As best we can. If you go into a certain restaurant and you get macaroni and cheese and hot dogs, you're going to be ready to throw the plate towards the kitchen area. But if you go to a, a restaurant, you know, and you know that's what they specialize in, and you're mm-hmm. there for mac and cheese, <laughs> you better <laughs> give it mac and cheese. And I, this feels like this movie was a disconnect. Like, when you see such a wild miss like this, I feel that they were disconnected from the comic book audience in general. And they've, they, they no longer have a good idea of what audiences are looking for. And that's another huge problem that you see with a lot of these with a lot of these properties and so that's what happened to hellboy that yes. pretty much crashed and burned as they say <laughs> i love it so yeah anything else um i think uh i honestly like i got game of thrones blinders on like i don't like it's all i can think about so Avengers is coming out next week, and I'm sure we'll have something for that. I'm definitely going to go see it, and uh, I guess stay tuned for when that comes out, because I really don't have anything else to say. I'm just ready I'm just ready for it to come out so I can see it and get it over with and know what happens at the end of the story. Absolutely. Are you seeing it Thursday or Friday, or what, do you, what, do you, what are your plans? I'm going to have to see it Friday because I'm working Thursday. Okay. Um, but yeah, so I I mean if I, I bet you and Bill are gonna is Bill gonna see it Thursday night? Yeah, Thursday night. All right. Um yeah. I guess if you guys want to do a reaction uh podcast, you you that's totally awesome. And then I'll just try and jump in another day and just give my two thoughts. But uh Or we'll man. just or we'll get all together and just do a big we'll play it by ear. Yeah, you're an right. Avengers we'll... an Avengers bash. Yeah, I mean that's the kind of event that needs to be epic, right? Yes. <laughs> so it it sounds and looks like a lot of fun so well with that we are going to end this episode of Heroes Garage so for now and until next time so long <laughs> <laughs>